Welcome to the Watch OK Please podcast, a podcast where three friends try to convince each other to devote what little time they have left to watch more TV and or movies than they've ever wanted to watch. Please join us while we argue about our media cues and waste everyone's valuable time on things that just don't matter. Hey Watchers, it's Jason, and welcome back for more strongly held and ultimately pointless opinions on episode 83 of the Watch OK Please podcast. So, as you might have gathered from the last two episodes, we're winding down the podcast for the time being. It's a lot of work to produce a weekly podcast, and we've all got a lot of stuff going on in our lives outside of the pod. So we're going to give the podcast a Schrodinger's goodbye. We might come back to do some episodes in the future, but for now, we'll see you when we see you. However, we still have a long list of shows we really wanted to get to. So as part of our goodbye for now, we decided to take a note from the Holy Trinity of Sandra Bullock, Keanu Reeves, and Dennis Hopper, and turn this podcast into an L.A. County bus where we have a couple minutes to pitch and discuss the rest of the shows or movies on our lists. Or the pod explodes. We cram as many shows as we can into the episode. We're going to try and post a full list of the movies and shows we pitch on these episodes on our website, watchokplease.com, in case a pitch inspires you to check one of them out. Even though this is the end for now, if you enjoy this podcast, please rate and review us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, or just give us a shout-out on our social media pages. Also, if you subscribe, you'll get a heads-up if or when we do release anything in the future. If you have a show or movie you want us to watch that might coax us out of semi-retirement, leave us a voicemail on our Anchor page at anchor.fm backslash watchokplease. Before we start the episode, I'd like to take a moment to thank Dan and Nyan. It was through their will and inspiration that they birthed this podcast out of nothing. Even though I came late to the party, you guys always made me feel like I belonged here. It's been an absolute joy working on this podcast, and I'll be forever grateful that you guys invited me on this journey. All right, watchers, it's time to step on the gas pedal one last time and crank this podcast up to full speed. Hey guys, so I've got a show for you that I am super excited about. I've been meaning to get to it forever. In fact, I think it was going to be my second pitch on the podcast, and then I kept pushing it back, pushing it back. Uh, And particularly for you, Dan, I think this is a show you're going to really appreciate, and it's called Altered Carbon. It's on Netflix. The premise of this show is we now in the future, I forget what year it is, we're like way in the future, and we now have brain chips in like our brain that has all of our memories, all of our consciousness. Essentially, we live in this brain chip. And so if anything happens to you, you know, you get hit by a bus, whatever, as long as the brain chip is fine, they just put it in a new body and you're good to go. So people live essentially indefinitely. It is a really cool concept. And in this show, they it, it's kind of like a Blade Runner-esque, super dark noir. Uh, essentially, someone who was formerly a terrorist is brought back to go investigate a murder. And you say, well, how was someone murdered? Well, they weren't. Someone killed them. 
and they survived, but they don't know who did it. And so he's determined to go find out who attempted to murder him. You then get into the backstory of all these characters. The world is fascinating. Uh, you know, at one point, one of the crazier moments, someone has their grandmother walking around in the body of like a six and a half foot tall serial killer. <laughs> like it is a wacky, crazy world. It's like cyberpunk, but with like live actors. Um, so I hope you guys are going to really like it. I vaguely have heard of this because I think when I was scanning Netflix, is Paul Rudd in this? No. Okay. I don't know why I thought Paul Rudd was correct in a lot of things. I mean, you know, it was something else. This is not a, not a Paul Rudd shot. That though. Okay. No, but yeah, I definitely feel like you're. you're, you're I, I'm imagining this kind of cyberpunk meets, you know, like you said, Blade Runner meets. In my mind, Ghost in the Shell because they do a lot of this kind of yep. stuff with, you know, that that kind of thing. So definitely, kind of, you know, up my alley. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, it's. Oh, I will say, I've only seen season one. Everyone says season two is terrible, so I have no idea if season two is any good. But season one is fantastic. Maybe that's the one where like, Paul Rudd shows up. <laughs> yeah and it might be part of some you know quantum mania kind of thing i don't know <laughs> are you guys familiar with pablo escobar yeah kind of yeah <laughs> i'm also familiar with pablo escobar it's a it's a, it's a you know teddy bear they made it look like a Drug Lord? Yeah, never mind. That... <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that was a thing. Okay. It is. You look it up later. You can Google that. All right. Well, I have the show for you. It is called Narcos. This thing has turned into a powerhouse on Netflix. The original series had three seasons. They then went to Mexico and called it a whole new series, even though it's basically just a continuation of the same series called Narcos Mexico. They're making another show, which they claim is not a spinoff, but apparently it kind of is a spinoff um, called uh, Griselda, starring Sofia Vergara, who was another drug lord, uh, which is supposed to come out sometime in the year. I know they've, I think they've already filmed it. Uh, they're just in post right now. So that's going to come out sometime. This series is fantastic. Uh, you will start watching. You can't stop. The first two seasons follow Pablo Escobar. And the two uh, DEA agents who are chasing him, it is based on a real book written by one of the actual agents. Uh, the agents are played by Boyd Holbrook and Pedro Pascal. Oh, oh, oh. man of the hour, <laughs> as they say. Yep, exactly. It is absolutely fantastic. You guys must have seen the meme by now of Pablo Escobar looking sad. Yep. It's like everywhere. Yeah. You know, it's like he's sitting there. Yeah, but I, I, it's like I never, I never like always put two and two together with Narcos and that. That's all. Yeah, he's like sitting in a drain pool. He's like just looking sad like that. That's from the final episode of Pablo Escobar in the oh. series. Okay, okay, that does sound familiar. Yeah. yeah, the show is. It's. I. I swear, it is so good. You will start watching, and you can't stop. Just like cocaine. So this that tracks. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Do, do you get to see the hippos? I'm, they, they have to have the hippos. 
the, I believe the hippos do make an appearance. I don't know if you actually see them. I think they just reference them and they hear them. I don't think the budget was high enough to afford actual hippos the first season. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Fair enough. And, and oh. just to be clear, just to be clear, there's there's no there's mention of cocaine bear in the making of this of that series. There's not. No. Oh, and they actually filmed it in Colombia, so it feels real. Yeah. Very cool. Damn. Wow. All right. Yeah, I'm curious. Check the one out. Look at that. Yeah. Nyan, I know you're a huge fan of Succession, right? Yes. What if I told you there is a show that is like Succession's drunk frat brother? <laughs> I'm watching that show. When can they move in? Is what he's asking. Billions. You have got to see this. It is fantastic. It is ridiculous. But at the same time, everything in it is true. So the show was created by a guy named Andrew Ross Sorkin. He is actually a reporter for CNBC. So every time you see something totally ridiculous happen in this show, it's because this was like based on a true story that actually happened. So the whole premise of the show in the first season is you have these two people going at it. You have this billionaire and you have a DA agent played by, um, oh, I'm forgetting his name, Pig Vomit, the major actor. Pig Vomit? Pig Vomit? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was from the... God, you know, man, I'm using up all my time and I can't remember the guy's name. Um, billions. Paul Giamatti. Paul Giamatti. I don't know yes. how you get from pig vomit to Paul Giamatti, oh, but also, okay. Who also, plays Albert Einstein, who also plays Albert Einstein in the latest Verizon commercial. Yes. So he's a very, into, like, his, from family money, wealthy DA agent. Uh, not agent. He's the district attorney for, um, I forget which district, Southern District or whatever it is. Uh, and he's going after this billionaire played by Damian Lewis. Oh. Who just all sorts of, I'm a billionaire, I can do whatever I want. I'm going to get us an explicit tag here. But he has this great line early in the series where he goes, What's the point of having fuck you money if I can't say fuck you? Perfect. <laughs> Damien Lewis is so good. So, and that sums up the whole show. Like, it's just constantly, whatever the, like, ridiculous trend of the minute is, it will make an appearance in the show. It'll be funny. It's ridiculous. Uh, and the show just keeps getting better and better every season, I think. So, that's my pitch. So, you could say that for Paul Giamatti's character, it may have gone sideways. <laughs> i've heard nothing but good things about this one so especially from a chiropractor Same. i used to go to who kept telling me about it like every time i saw him so <laughs> i finally watch it at least the chiropractor oh. didn't, co- didn't cost you billions oh oh i should give you guys a little warning if you watch this show be prepared for paul giamatti with nipple clamps a lot a lot wow. of nipple clamps. Okay. <laughs> I, I'll take that under advisement. I, I still think I will take that over Dennis Franz NYPD blue bare ass though. Oh, 100%. <laughs> oh God. All right. I'll brace myself for it, but I, I apologize to everyone for that visual trauma.
How do you guys feel about vampires? I like them. Sure. All right. I have got... It's like a movie that's... I'm not sure I'd call it good. <laughs> but, it, but it's very entertaining and it's very memorable. memorable. It's the movie Daybreakers. It is about a future where vampires have basically won. Like, and they're very sophisticated. They live in fancy houses. They live in like subdivisions where they have special windows that like block out all the light during the day. They work in corporate offices. And meanwhile, all the humans are on the run. Now, what's the problem with this scenario though? Um, There's a finite amount of livestock. Exactly. So they're in this future. The vampires have won. They've taken over the world. And they're running out of people to eat. Or, you know, to at least bleed dry. Uh, And so you start watching the collapse of vampire civilization. It stars Ethan Hawke. It stars Sam Neill as an evil corporate vampire. Again, I'm not sure I'd call it good. But it's really memorable. The whole premise of this story, I think, is really intriguing. You know, for a less than two-hour movie, they build this entire world that I just found really engaging. And I think they could, you know, nowadays they would turn this into a whole series. But, you know, when they made it back in 2009, just a quick, you know, hour and 50-minute movie. And uh, I think it's a lot of fun. Oh, and it stars, oh, I already said, it stars Ethan Hawke, Sam Neill. Uh, and William Defoe plays like a crazy rebel vampire. It was a lot of fun. Oh, that, that could be the the icing on the cake because man, anything with William Defoe is is going to be interesting. It's even by William Defoe standards, this is a quirky role for him. So I don't recall this one coming like hitting my radar, but it sounds interesting, like conceptually, and it's it's got it's great. It's got to be better than Twilight, so. <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so 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 you mentioned sam neill so i, I you, you definitely put this above a event horizon for example right yes as far as you know yeah because it, 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 it's 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 better than it's it's like not the you, you're saying it, it's like pretty good it's entertaining so oh it's very entertaining definitely entertaining definitely memorable like I for like I just kept thinking about this movie and I couldn't find it anywhere. And then recently it came back on HBO and I was like, I gotta see it. Is it oh, as good sweet. as I remember? As soon as I saw it, I was like, Yep, it's as good as I remember. I gotta pitch it to you guys. Totally worth a watch. All right. Looking forward to that. Oh my god, you're Ethan Hawk. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what the sign of a good movie is? When the title has 10 words in it. (laughs) Sure. Oh, yeah. yeah, Totally. Master and Commander, The Far Side of the World. Yeah, I remember this. This is an exhaustingly long title for an absolutely fantastic movie. It is about uh, a Navy ship in the, I want to say, like, late 1700s, maybe early 1800s. I don't remember the exact time frame. Uh, Russell Crowe is the captain. Paul oh, Bettany. Okay. I, remember, I remember this movie a little bit, yeah. The, the, the trailer. Paul Bettany is a doctor on the ship and a good friend of the captain. And they are sailing on some 
you know, British naval mission. The movie starts with them being approached by a French ship. And what I think makes this movie, one of the many things that I think makes this movie so fantastic is, you know, you get a real sense of what was battle like back then. So when they see a French ship, it's literally like the start of the movie is them looking through a telescope saying, hey, there's a French ship coming toward us. What do they do? They just start sailing the other direction. And they're like, let's hope they can't catch us. And the first however many minutes of the movie is just them sailing for like a day or two trying to get away from this French ship. When they realize, wait, this isn't going to happen. And they slowly are getting ready for battle. And then after all this slow pacing of let's try and get away from the ship, let's try and do this, you all of a sudden get this really quick, really intense battle that lasts like a few minutes. And then once again, they get away and uh, you just have this whole cat and mouse that goes on between these two ships. And, you know, you get this intense violence that punctuates out, you know, for them, days of nothing happening or, you know, working on their ship or just being stranded at sea with no wind. And they're just like, well, we can't do anything. We have to wait for the wind to come back. Uh, it is one of the best movies that has been made in the last 25 years. I am not exaggerating. Did it get nominated for Academy Awards and stuff? I vaguely recall that. I believe it was. I think it yeah. did, right? Yeah. I remember referring to it repeatedly as Masturbator and Commander. That's exactly what I was going to say. (laughs) That's where my head was at when this came out. Because it's old, right? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it's probably like 25 or at least 20 years old. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious. uh, Pre-Vision Paul Bettany, too. Oh, true. Yep. I mean, it's someone who gets (laughs) seasick very easily. Can I actually watch this without throwing up? Or... I think you'll be okay. Okay. All right. It's a concern. And then, of course, I have to ask, are there any sea shanties? <laughs> I don't recall. There might be, though. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm just going to start. I thought they were going to start you know, singing, singing either, you know, Rule Britannia or, or that one that uh, Stewie sings in, in the Family Family Guy movie, you know. You know, I'm the monarch of the sea, the rule of the Queen's Navy, you know. <laughs> Looking forward to it. H- this is HBO? believe it is currently on hbo yeah cool you could follow us up with our flag means death <laughs> boom now nyan dan you guys are both from new jersey correct correct so i have a movie for you set in new jersey it is a gripping family drama about, about like family suffering, alcoholism, and MMA. Ooh, okay. The movie is called Warrior. It stars Joel Edgerton, Tom Hardy, and Nick Nolte. Now you may be saying, oh, this like Tom Hardy movie, how have I not heard of this? When it came out, one of the knocks against it was, who's ever heard of this Tom Hardy guy? (laughs) Uh, You know, it was a different world back in 2011. This movie is so simple and so straightforward. It's about two brothers and their recovering alcoholic father, played by Nick Nolte, in a role he was... (laughs) Like, who else could have played this role? Like, he was just so... (laughs) 
so gruff, so like rah, 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 rah. this movie though, like it is just it's like nonstop engagement. Like you sit there and like you consciously know you maybe aren't watching the greatest movie ever made, but it is just so engaging. The first half of the movie is about these like two guys and their personal problems and their relationships with their families. Uh, and then they start getting their life together by getting back into MMA, which their father had trained them in. And then a huge tournament comes out called Sparta, which is supposed to be the like biggest MMA tournament in history. And both of them enter it and uh, fight their way through this tournament. And like all that character drama goes away the second half of the movie. And it is purely like, I'm going to solve all my problems by punching people. <laughs> sure. It's- yeah. Okay. There, there are a lot of New, Jer- New Jersey people who like to do that. I'm not going to lie. Oh, so many. Mostly in the parking lot of a Denny's. But it's cool <laughs> that they do it in, in tournaments now. <laughs> yeah. Or, or, or they're just people by the shore and they're just you know, punching the air, basically. So True. He's not wrong. And, and just for the record, <laughs> Spar- Sparta is actually a real town in, in Jersey. So I... It has nothing to do with the real town in New Jersey. It's set in Atlantic City. I just think it's it's funny. That's all. There you go. Oh, God. It's set in Atlantic City? That's so depressing. (laughs) (laughs) We've all spent time there. It's so sad. It's a little sad, but it doesn't matter. All of it, they're just there to punch. They're there to punch. They're going to fix everything by punching. You're going to watch it. You will be consoled. When you're watching it, you're like, yes. Yes, punch his face. You love each other so much. <laughs> Although on the on the on the alcohol side of things, I guess that does play hand in hand with with my with my personal memories of Atlantic City. So that could work. <laughs> <laughs> More punching. Something I don't think gets enough respect around here is YouTube. Once I, I feel like YouTube always gets treated like it's cat videos or whatever, or like the pre-TikTok that it was 15 years ago. But nowadays, like to me, the real TV that's out there has migrated over to YouTube. You know, all those like dumb reality shows, travel shows, cooking shows that used to be on network television. Nobody watches that stuff anymore. You go turn on YouTube. And I'm going to now pitch to you a pair of YouTubers who I think are great. They're some of the top uh, travel YouTubers out there, but I'm using them as sort of a catch-all for just a lot of the great content that exists out there on YouTube. And the people I'm suggesting are called Kara and Nate. They have one of, if not the biggest travel vlog channel that is out there on YouTube right now. They're super engaging. Literally, their channel started when they sold everything and decided they were going to go travel around the world for a year. And they started filming it. Their early videos are incredibly rough. Uh, It literally looks like if a 20-something-year-old couple went out and was like, okay, we're eating sushi now uh, in Japan. And it looks really rough. But over time, they got better at it. And they became, like, really good. And unlike, I feel like some YouTubers who are like very influencer-y, in, influencer-y, I guess that's a word. Yeah, that's a word. Uh, that's a word. I mean, they have a little bit of that sometimes, but I find them not 
too obnoxious most of the time. They seem like genuine and this is who they really are. And they try to keep everything honest and, and real with you. And, you know, they're not just walking around in big flowy dresses going, everything's a dream, you know. <laughs> they keep it real. And, and that's why I listen to Audible. <laughs> so that's my pitch is, you know, go check these people out. Go watch their channel. Watch them travel around the world and do, like, cool challenges and have really cool experiences. That's always fun. Well, I like a good travel yeah. show. So I'm, I'm up yeah. for that. Yeah. As long as it doesn't involve coca. Oh, that was one of the best travel shows ever. <laughs> oh my God. Gerhard Renke's Wanderlust. Yes. That was a show that was mm. on. It was like a fake travel show. <laughs> it was only available on YouTube. It was this guy who was pretending to be a German tourist. And <laughs> So if it's anything like yeah. Gerhard Renke's Wanderlust, yeah, I'm, I'm in. Definitely. It's, <laughs> it's not like that at all, but. Oh, yeah. oh man. So, so yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Should, like it. Do, you, do you think we should like gravitate towards. I guess playlists or videos that with places that we have not yet visited, maybe, or we think. Yes, I would start with like if you're thinking of going somewhere, or if there's a location you like, I would go start with that. In fact, the first four years of their channel was they were going to go to a hundred countries by the time they turned thirty, and so the first like they were just going country to country, like trying to go to new countries until they hit thirty, and then since then they've branched out and like they haven't really gone to new countries; they're just doing new cool things in countries they've been, but I would just like choose somewhere you want to go check out one of their episodes on it. Nice. Excellent. I mean, YouTube is super accessible. You get it on pretty much any device ever. So even some toilets. <laughs> True. True. It's, 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 yeah. There's some, it's above some urinals too. I'm sure. Yeah. I always love shows that totally bend and play with the whole concept of uh, genres. So this next show I'm going to suggest to you is a show that is a drama and it's sci-fi all sort of melded together. Like it, it really plays a lot like a true drama, but it's technically sort of a post-apocalyptic sci-fi fantasy kind of way. And that's the show Station Eleven. You can find the show on HBO the premise of the show is that there is a flu that wipes out something like 90% of the planet and the survivors are living in a post-apocalyptic world in the aftermath. And the show is pretty much split 50-50 between the initial days of the pandemic and this like period of time 20 years in the future. And in the future, we follow this one character who was actually an actor and is part of a traveling theater group performing Shakespeare plays to different settlements. I know that wasn't exactly where you expected this to go. Right. No. And that's just one of the, one of the things that I think is so fascinating about the show is it goes places like that. But if you think about it, that kind of makes sense, right? Like if you go back 500, 600, 700 years, that's how actors operated. They would have their little troupe, and they would travel around and they would go to like town and town. And there was a lot of risks and dangers they took by traveling on the road and, and doing their show. Uh, one anecdote I have about this show, it's about a flu pandemic. They started filming this before coronavirus. Oh, wow. The pandemic literally hit in the middle of production on the show. 
And they had to shut down for a, a substantial amount of time because of uh, COVID. That must have been messing with the actors' heads on this production, I would think. You know, the day when they're like, oh my goodness, we're making a show about a pandemic. And like, it's like, a, I don't know. It, it, it just felt like totally ridiculous uh, just, to me. That, yeah. This, that, that's, that's crazy, man. I mean, the, although the same thing can be said for the original plot line from Falcon the Winter Soldier, which was uh, whose uh, shooting name uh, was uh, Pandemic Productions LLC because of the oh. topic of the content. So obviously that was uh, since uh, shifted a little bit to, you know, not get Marvel in hot water. So mm. I've heard, I keep hearing how amazing this show is, but I never got into the plot. It felt... Everyone has pitched it as the show you need to see. It very much like the vegetables I'm supposed to be eating all the time. So <laughs> I've avoided it. I've consciously avoided this show. I know it's amazing. I, it, I'm just like, I don't, I don't, it seems so heavy. It's like the little I knew about it. I didn't even know about the pandemic part. It just, it sounded like it was such an intense emotional experience. I was like, I don't know if I want to get into this. Okay. But, so I hear what you're saying. And there's definitely a lot of that. If this will help sway you though, a good portion of the show is watching everything fall apart at the start of the pandemic, which after we just went through a pandemic, I thought was really enjoyable. Yeah. All right. That's yeah. fair. Maybe now and, is when I could do it. And I have a number two. It's a, it's a, it's a post-apocalyptic show that I haven't seen it yet. It's a post-apocalyptic show that does not involve Will Forte. Oh, that's really <laughs> helpful for me. Okay. That's a big selling point actually. Cause I'm never watching last man on earth. <laughs> All right, I'm in. Nyan, Dan, do you guys like Korean historical dramas? I want to. I just yes, I would say so. Yeah, I, I mean, would like to I, like to watch them. After I saw Old Boy, I felt like I should see more Korean stuff, but I never got around to it. <laughs> so picture a court drama. You know, you've got a prince who is the heir to the throne, but the king has now married a much younger second wife who is also pregnant, who is making a political play for her unborn child to be the next heir to the throne. Really cool political intrigue. And if that's not enough, there's also zombies. <laughs> oh, wow. Let's... Yes, I'm talking about the incredible show, Kingdom. This show is so good. It is starting to become a big hit on Netflix. They've had two seasons. They've made a spinoff. They're working on another season. It is exactly as I just described. It is political intrigue. And then there are zombies. And what's great about the zombies, though, is this is back in, I, I don't know if they say exactly what year it is, but I believe it's the late 1700s. There are guns. There might be like a few, like, you know, those like old style guns that, you know, could shoot one shot and you spend five minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forget. There might have been a couple of those. But basically, you've got swords and you've got arrows. And these are not the slow zombies. These are the fast kind coming after you. And you can't shoot them. You can't get in your car and drive away. You're just like out there fighting zombies. And it's incredibly, like, I just think it is such a good show. 
Uh, I started watching it like on a whim just because I was really curious what this is. And then my oldest son walked in on me watching it and was like, what's this? And then he like couldn't stop watching. He ended up like jumping ahead and finishing the show like by himself because I was taking too long to watch it. Really great show. Totally recommend you watch Kingdom on Netflix. But I heard nothing but amazing things about this series from people because there's a lot of people who are in like they're in the zombie camp or they're in like mm. the Korean culture camp, and so they they get come in through via one of those two means. Between this and Train to Busan, like I gotta get on the Korean zombie train. <laughs> honestly, <laughs> sounds like you're doing Busan. great zombie work. Yeah, I, I would argue that this is the best zombie thing I've ever seen personally. Wow. Oh. Okay. Because there's some good stuff out there, better than Shaun of the Dead, which I think actually is really yeah. good for what it is. Yeah, it I mean, is. I, I, I do love the, I, I do love Shaun of the Dead. Yeah, it's I, to me it's great because you don't have guns, you don't have cars, you don't have any of the modern conveniences, and you've still got all this political intrigue going on at the same time, which I think also adds a whole other layer to the show. And the zombies, if you had none of that, it would still be a fantastic zombie show. Got it. Okay, cool. That, that is fascinating. I'm really curious. You ever just like sitting around on a Friday night and you know you're you're with your spouse, you're with some friends, and you just want like a fun, entertaining movie to watch? I've got the movie for you. It's called Logan Lucky. It's directed by Steven Soderbergh. Ooh. Obviously best known for Magic Mike, his master. <laughs> yes. Well, this also stars Channing Tatum. It's got Adam Driver. It's got Daniel Craig. Wow. It is a like really straightforward heist movie. They decide that they're going to go rob the NASCAR racetrack for, I forget, some insane amount of money. Uh, this is complicated by the fact that Daniel Craig's character happens to be in prison at the time. That does make it difficult, yeah. He has, Daniel Craig has possibly his most ridiculous Southern accent he has ever had in any movie, and I'm including the Nice <laughs> franchise. I was going to ask, wow. okay. <laughs> it, it's a masterpiece, this accent of ridiculousness. Adam Driver, I think, is missing a hand, if I recall that, right? <laughs> Well, define irony because he because he plays a Skywalker who doesn't lose a hand. There you go. This movie is ridiculous. It is fun, but it it feels like it's like a like a redneck version of Ocean's Eleven. Is what it feels like. (laughs) That's amazing. (laughs) That sounds like a really good time. If there's if it is a rednecks Ocean's Eleven, I like to think there's an earlier version of it where they're all singing, like the Ocean's Eleven. Maybe that maybe there needs to be this. Is that is, is Take Me Home a Country Road anywhere in the movie? I would love to know that. Yes, there is. It's in the climax. Yes. <laughs> oh, brilliant! They, they they thought of everything then. Perfect. I can't wait to roll into this nonsense. Same. (laughs) You ever have one of those movies where everyone's telling you you totally have to see it, but you're like, I don't really want to see this at all. 
But then you finally do actually watch it, and then you start telling everyone that they really need to go see this movie. Yes. Well, yep. Hunt for the Wilder People is a movie you totally have to go see. You guys are both... I, our listeners can't see the faces you guys are making. You're looking at me like, what am I talking about? You've probably heard of the director. He's this uh, New Zealander named Taika Waititi. Oh, okay. There okay. we go. Mildly familiar. Yeah. It stars Sam Neill and Julian Dennison, who you might know him. He was the antagonist in the second Deadpool movie. You know, the kid oh, who yes, like, yes. shoot fire. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Oh, it's also got Rachel House, who you may remember as the person with the melt stick from the, whatever, Thor, the Thor movie. Not the most recent one, the one before that with uh, Jeff Goldblum. Ragnarok. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, Ragnarok. Yeah. The, the lady with the melt stick. She actually plays a really fun character. So the premise of this movie is Sam Neill and his, the, you know, his wife in the movie are these two like sort of grumpy uh, rural New Zealanders who end up adopting or fostering a young boy uh, who is from the city, who knows nothing about rural life. They end up building a bond and then tragedy happens and ultimately... Uh, Sam Neill's character and the boy end up in the woods, lost, and then Child Protective Services thinks that the boy has been kidnapped and they go out searching for him. And if that sounds like an interesting drama, this is Taika Waititi. It is hysterical. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Anything involving Child Protective Services is always hilarious. So, yeah. I, I, yeah, I... I there's a scene where they're accused, like, how do I put this uh, in a way that won't get this, like, the explicit tag? So there's, like, accusations that he's doing things to the boy that he shouldn't do. And there is a hysterical scene where the boy doesn't understand what he's being asked and starts confirming everything by accident, even though none of it's actually true. And it sounds, it's like so inappropriate and totally hysterical. And at the same time, this movie has a ton of heart. It's absolutely fantastic. You definitely should go see this. It sounds like it's in the, in the vein of Jojo Rabbit, which was excellent. Hmm. Yes. So, which I, I okay. love that. So I'll probably like this too. It sounds great. Yes. Do you guys ever watch Jeopardy? Oh, yeah. Yes. So, like, the thing with Jeopardy is we know it's, like, it feels like a trivia show, but, you know, if you're a reasonably well-informed human being, you kind of know the majority of the answers, right? Like, you you always feel like you're in it, right? Yeah, you're competitive at least. Yeah, exactly. So that's what makes that show such a success in America. Now, I used to live in England for a couple of years. They have a different approach with their game shows, or at least with some of their game shows. Their goal on their game shows is to remind you that you're a moron (laughs) and to emphasize that you actually know nothing. As some British person casually throws out a whole bunch of information that they just sort of act like, well, obviously everyone knows that. Uh, 
So there's a couple great shows, one of which is Countdown and another one which is Pointless that I would highly recommend to you that, you know, sort of sum up these two things. And I'm going to give you the breakdown for both of these shows. So I guess this is kind of a double pitch right here. Countdown is a show where they put up a series of numbers and they say, all right. And then, you know, they give you a series, I believe it's seven numbers. And then they give you an, a target number of say, you know, 750. And they say, all right, use these seven numbers we've given you to get to 750 or as close to it as you can get. And then you have like 20 seconds or 30 seconds to actually hit that number. If that sounds hard, and I say this as a former math teacher, it's hard. And at the same time, like I keep watching it over and over again, being like, I think I can get it this time. Pointless is a game show where you are given trivia questions where you're sort of tasked with finding something like, okay, list people who've won an Oscar. And you, or, you know, people who've won an Academy Award or U.S. presidents or something like that. U.S. presidents would be too big. but And you're tasked with naming something where they've gone out and polled people and you pick the answer that is the least chosen. So hence the goal is to be pointless. Like, you know, if they've said, you know, if they've polled a, a hundred people, who's not heard of this at all? Your goal is to get to that or to the thing that people have heard the least. Oh, so so it's, it's reverse family feud. Exactly. Good. Yeah. There you go. That's good. Yeah. yeah. Which is a really intriguing idea and is a lot of fun because, you know, it's, it causes you to like really pick the back of your brain there. Yeah. That's interesting. And keep in mind that it's, it's not Steve Harvey. So. Yeah. Oh, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> So if you're wondering where to see this, uh, what I do is I just Google it on YouTube and they have tons of clips and you can watch like pretty much as much as you want of these shows to your heart's content. Awesome. Yeah. And again, this is definitely a, a big detour from watching Japanese game shows where it's all about hitting you in, in, in the groin. <laughs> <laughs> I always love watching shows that are from different countries or movies that are from different countries. And I'm not just talking like big budget, big drama shows, but sometimes just small character dramas where you really get a feel for what life is you know, like for people living in different places. And one of the places that I've you know, had seen some really good stuff is India. Uh, Netflix has made a whole bunch of movies and shows that I think do a good job of, you know, sort of like, you know, I can't think of all of them off the top of my head, but, you know, they've made like some romantic comedies set in India with, you know, Indian characters. You get a little slice of life of what it's like to live in Delhi or Mumbai. And I have also on several occasions tried to find things that Nyan hasn't seen and I have never succeeded. <laughs> Whenever I suggest anything that has an Indian character set in India, Nyan has seen it. Except for this. The movie I'm about to pitch is called Dangal, which my Hindi is pretty weak, but my understanding is that translates to wrestler. It is a movie about a wrestler who went to the Olympics, is now middle-aged, and unfortunately he was hoping to pass this tradition on to his sons, but he has no sons. He instead has only daughters. 
Hmm. However, at some point he decides, well, you know what? I got what I got. I'm going to teach them how to wrestle. And he ends up coaching them and they end up uh, making it to the Olympics. I should say, this is a true story. This, this actually happened. Uh, and in fact, India is like really underrepresented in Olympic medals. Oh, yeah. Especially for like how big wow. it is. And I believe one of the daughters ends up at some point, like in real life, either like got a medal or was really close to getting a medal. Like, you know, he ends up raising his daughters to be quite successful. So in a sense, I've just spoiled the movie. But I think it's fascinating seeing their life, seeing their life in a, you know, in a town in India as an example to give you a taste of like what you get, you know, when he's, you know, trying to coach his daughters to be successful wrestlers, you know, they're vegetarian and they start dealing with the quandary of, well, do you have to start eating meat to be a successful wrestler? And ultimately they're like, I think you might have to start eating the chicken. And it ends up causing a little drama in the family that they end up giving up the vegetarianism. Damn. I mean, and I think that even though you gave us the broad strokes, I think that the journey of this series is from the way you, you, you paint it is, is way more important and, and poignant than it is about knowing what actually happens in the kind of the, in the larger scheme of things. It sounds like movie. It's not, it's a movie, not a series, movie, yeah. But, yeah. but the movie, I mean, the journey of in the movie of the characters is, is it's not necessarily the, the plot point of him. Oh, I'm deciding to put out these, uh, instead of glow, it's the uh, go- gorgeous Indians of wrestling. Uh, if you will. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I, I should preface this. So I watched this on Netflix, but when I most recently checked, it was not available on Netflix in the U.S. However, some people, I'm not suggesting you do this, but some people might take out a VPN, put on Netflix in either, I think, the U.K. or India right now, and you should be able to find that movie there. Not that I'm recommending you do that at no. all. Yeah, that, that's a fair point. Or you could probably just go down to your local uh, Indian grocer and they probably got DVDs in the back. There you go. Like copies or whatever. It, <laughs> it, it is kind of cool to hear about Indian people excelling in a sport that isn't cricket or badminton. So that's nice. Because mm. that's all we got, really. So this, <laughs> this is interesting. And I, I, had, I almost thought I had seen it, but I, I, I don't think I have. So this might be worth a watch. It's something I watch with my family and they won't complain. So that, that'll be great. Go. You know what we haven't actually pitched at any point on this podcast? A Western. True. Yeah. So I have a show for you today that is a Western. It stars Michelle Dockery, Jeff Daniels, Merritt Weaver, Scoot McNary. It is the TV show Godless. Hmm. It's a seven-part I think it's seven part miniseries. It is really good. It uh, Jeff Daniels plays a outlaw who is incredibly menacing, incredibly terrifying. Scoot McNary plays the small town sheriff who is going to try and stop him. And I don't want to say too much because, you know, it's... You know, that's the story of the series. And I think a lot of it is just watching everything unfold. But you get, you know, lots of small town Old West tropes. 
But things are slightly uh, mixed up here because the town that this show is set in, uh, it was a mining town. And what ends up happening in the mining town is there's a mining accident and almost all the men die in the town. Whoa. So you've got this old West town that's run by women. Ah, interesting. Yeah. So it's, it's, I think what's kind of cool about it is it's this very, in some ways it feels very traditional. It's like an old school Western. It kind of feels like unforgiven, but then you're also subverting a lot of tropes because you have this town that's run by women, women play an integral part. They're not just sidelined as side characters and spouses and whores and all that, but they actually get a chance to take center stage uh, in the, in the town. Sounds like Winona Earp, which someone recommended me very heavily. But I mean, it's, it's, it seems a little bit different. And shoot, I didn't realize how good of an actress Merritt Weaver is until I saw mm. the show Run. And now I'm like, I'm on the I'm on the Weaver train. Like, okay, Weaver, <laughs> let's do this. So just you just had to say Merritt Weaver, and I was down. But there this does go. sound interesting, like sort of a oh yeah, a different approach to westerns, which is always good because the, the standard ones never really drew me in that much. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I definitely, and the fact that it's like in this kind of mini series format too, I think is also really appealing, uh, because again, it, each episode is like an hour or so for the seven seven. That part. sounds about right. Yep. Okay. Yeah, I think this is like too, it sounds incredibly digestible too. You can easily knock that out in a week in, in, in a weekend or even a day if you're if you are uh, binge binge worthy enough, you know. And if this helps sell it, it's uh, by the same people who did the Queen's Gambit. Oh, boom! Ooh, okay. Wow. There yeah. you go. Definitely helps. Wow. Out. God, that was so yeah. good. Okay, there you go. It, you can watch this instead of watching uh, A Million Ways to Die in the West a couple times. So, <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember not that long ago when you would log on to Netflix and every time you logged into Netflix, it would have a banner for Wednesday, the new yes. show from Jenna Ortega? Like every time, right? Yeah. And if you're like me, I, which I know you guys are, you're just like, I'm not watching that. No interest. Nope. I don't nope. usually watch shows, you know, whatever. Was was no interest. And then I saw The Dance. Have you guys seen The Dance? I keep hearing about nope. it, but I haven't seen it. YouTube refused to not let me watch this. <laughs> so I was like, right, I'm just going to watch it so it goes away and this will stop being recommended to me. It is the most, like, intoxicating thing you've ever watched. I could watch that dance for hours. It is the weirdest, most bizarre thing you have ever seen. If nothing else, if you're still skeptical for me when I am done making this pitch, at the very least, go YouTube the dance and go see it and see if you're not at least a little intrigued. Is it going to be... More intoxicating than the midget from Twin Peaks dancing? Because <laughs> that, that, that might be a tall order. Oh, wait. Sorry. It's up there. Oh. oh, so terrible. It's up there. I'm, I'm telling you, it is, it, is, it is so engaging. You can't stop. You can't look away. You can't look away. And that's kind of the whole show. I thought I wasn't going to like this show. I loved it. I, I absolutely loved it. It is the premise of the show is Wednesday Adams is this, well, we all know the Adams family, I assume, right? So 
Wednesday Adams is the bad child in the family. She gets sent away to the boarding school her mother went to, to, you know, get her set straight. Uh, and then a murder happens and then there's a monster and, you know, craziness ensues. It's absolutely, you know, it's, it's fantastic. It is weird. It's funny. It's adorable. It is literally everything you want. I cannot recommend this show enough. In fact, I will give you the top recommendation. My mother-in-law, you know, was going through something recently and having a hard time, you know, due to a, a friend's illness. And my, you know, Anna recommended this show to her and said, you know what, just, just go watch this. And she literally like called her the next day crying, saying like, thank you. You saved me. This show, that's how powerful this show is. It will save you. So that's my recommendation. Watch Wednesday. Whoa. If Babushka Rima is giving this five stars, like, yes. man, yeah. that's it, saying it, something. It, you, we, right. you can't say no to that. So I have a recommendation for you guys. In fact, this isn't a recommendation for you guys. This is a recommendation for Dan. More than anything I have okay. seen or, yeah, no, just go. You're not needed. <laughs> This is the most perfect thing. Literally the whole time I'm watching this movie, all I could think was, damn. I'm, of course, talking about the menu. Oh, damn. So I, I, I don't know what you, if you guys have seen the promos for this. You probably have. Ray Fines runs a you know super high-end restaurant. Think Noma. Think El Bulli. For listeners at home who may not know, Dan, you are a huge foodie. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, like your your honeymoon was at you, know, you guys went to Spain and got to go to El Bulli for your honeymoon. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. You're you're all into this stuff. This movie is about how people like you are terrible. <laughs> perfect. That's perfect. <laughs> I mean, it, it's like it's reinforcing for me, so it's good. So it, it'll be interesting. I I I kind of would love to hear your thoughts on this movie once you get a chance to see it. You know, so, you know, Ray Fine runs this, like, super pretentious. I don't even want to, like, give anything away because it's so, like, there's so many little gems that I think as somebody who really appreciates that community, I think you'll really like that, Dan. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, they, they, they throw all the buzzwords, like, it's sustainable. We grow our own blah, 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 and all that on site. You know, they're having this big dinner there and things take a turn. So, I, you know, I don't think I'm giving anything away by saying this movie is classified as a horror movie. Ooh, interesting. I, I did not realize it was classified as that. So, you know, it starts off as one movie and then just slowly, you know, takes a turn throughout it. Or I guess really there's sort of like one moment where things take a turn. It's got a great cast. It's got Nicholas Holt. It's got Anya Taylor-Joy, Ray Fiennes, uh, Janet McTiernan, some other people. Like, absolutely fantastic. Nyan, I think you'll like it too, but Dan, I can't believe you haven't seen this movie already. This is the perfect movie for you. Yeah, so so it's funny because I was taking care of the kids in in the room at my sister-in-law's house, uh, place uptown, and actually Cheryl watched the first scene of the movie while I was with the the boys in the room, actually. And so Mm. she ended up finishing the movie that same night that we came back, basically. And this was on my radar because it looked amazing just because of the cast alone. I just haven't had time to get to it due to various different other constraints happening. But yeah, I'm definitely looking forward, definitely looking forward to seeing what happens. I want to talk with Cheryl, of course, about this as well before I speak with you guys as well. So we'll we'll definitely looking forward to that. As pretentious as it might be. (laughs) (laughs) 
And also go back and check out our episodes on the bear if you need more uh, talk about fine dining as well. Well, that happened, which brings us to the end of, well, pretty much the whole Watch OK Please podcast. Other than the other speed episodes, that is. We hope you had a good time listening to our nonsense today. And if you haven't already checked out the other speed episodes of the pod, please do so. And please don't let the end of the podcast stop you from rating and reviewing us on either Apple Podcasts or Spotify, or even just telling a friend about us. Regardless of whether we come back or not, we hope you keep on watching.